Welcome back to another episode of the Scores Table Podcast. I'm William Robbins. It's been a while, Julian. How you doing? It's been a while, my man. I am, you know what, just despite the world possibly just like cratering around us, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You know what? I'm alive, I'm healthy, um I you know, I'm 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 doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? You know, I'm I'm doing about as well as I can right now. Um Hope everyone that's listening to this is, uh, you know, wearing a mask, staying safe, doing what you can. Um, and and above all, I mean, uh, please donate, protest, educate. We're not. This oh, is for sure. We, we, we took a long hiatus from this podcast because we are far from the most important thing happening right now. But we, everybody needs an escape, and for sure. we're we're happy to be your soundtrack while you're making a difference. And you know, making sure we can we can we can change this this crazy, terrible, you know, society and system that's been in place for so many years. So yeah. so just had to just had to make sure that you guys know the vibes with with all that. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you're looking for escape, the good news is the NBA is coming back. Yeah, I mean, coming back with like ten asterisks. I mean, yeah, I mean, good 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 news is uh. It might be a bit of a stretch, but yeah, this is uh, the NBA is 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 apparently coming back. Um, obviously, there is a lot of checkpoints it needs to get through, but we're not necessarily going to discuss that. We're going to talk about what what could happen, uh, teams that are teams are going to be there, players that are not going to be there, what our predictions are, what we think could happen. Is this a good idea, bad idea? So, Julian, when you heard the NBA season was coming back, what were your initial reactions? So, initially, I was like, nice. You know, I was I was hoping. I do want the season to be finished at some point. And then, well, because a bunch of people in Florida and Georgia and a bunch of governors and a bunch of idiots, it's it's getting it's it's getting real once again. And I think the the NBA restart at this point is is, is just absolutely ridiculous. It's just it's it's at a point where I, I liked the idea and all the and especially the fact when remember when Florida was like not the biggest was not like Corona Mecca as it is now yeah. it seemed like a really great idea and the fact that so many players are choosing and, and honestly choosing wisely to opt out of this and and so many players you know are, are falling sick and stuff like that it's just it just seems negligent to continue on and it's just like it, it, it just it just seems dumb. It just seems yeah. that there's a bigger picture. Yeah. We can still it, the NBA can be a you don't have to, it doesn't need to be like the summer to play the NBA. Like this, this freaking domes. Like people can it can be cold outside. It can be hot outside. We don't have to finish the season now. Like we can wait till stuff is well, cooled down once again. Well, that 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 end part I'm going to disagree with. I don't think that they could wait any longer. I think that it was either you had to finish it now this summer or you need to scrap it because there still is a next season. You need to plan out for next season. You can't, there has to be dates set in stone. And the only thing true. more important than finishing this season is making sure that there's a timeline for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition are, to obviously the player's health. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm just talking about from, no, a, no, no, of course I, I know yeah. I'm just making sure. So people, Listening, don't get you know, don't don't go crazy and whatnot. All all up in our comments, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So there are there are legitimate concerns with this, and right now we don't know the NBA's full health and safety plan. Um, 
eventually that's going to come out. They're sending out a basically a novel sized uh, instructions and rules and regulations to all the players and coaches about where they're allowed to go, what they're allowed to do. Um, rules about family members, rules about, you know, everything else. And this is a situation that there is no perfect way to do it uh-huh. if you're going to come back. Um, I I think that this can work. And I think that it can work if they do it right. I'm just concerned about people coming in and out of the bubble. Like you hear... Like, you hear that players aren't permitted to leave, and if they do leave and want to come back, they have to quarantine for two weeks before they can come back into the bubble. But then in the same, in the same breath, you know, st- hotel staff is going to be coming in and out. Uh, Adam Silver said he's going to be coming in and out. It's just it's – I have a lot of question marks about, okay, the players are safe in there, I, I get – or supposedly safe in there, but the people coming in and out around them are not, so where does that leave them? This is like it's it's like here's the thing. I always sucked at math, but at the end of the day, like I can, I know how to do an equation where there's like probably like x and y there or something. I can like I can I can pull it out of my the deep depths of my memory to remember how to like do an equation. But if there's like ten x's and ten y's and a bunch of squares and square roots, I'd be looking at I'd be looking at it like what the hell? Like there's a way to solve this somehow, but there's so many variables and moving okay. parts. <laughs> I would just be like, what the hell? That is the perfect analogy for the NBA right now. Like, there's just so many moving pieces. Yeah, what what about the, the hotel staff? What about the staff actually there? There's so many different scenarios where things could go horribly wrong. And it's yeah, just... yeah. I mean, my, my concern is that they keep advertising this is a bubble, but it's really not a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think this can work if they do it right – I just I need I would need to see the full health and safety plan before I could say that. Um, when the NBA announced that they were coming back in Florida, uh, Florida was one of the lowest states um, mm-hmm. in terms of cases. Now Florida has more cases than the entire European European Union. Um, it's 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 tough. I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, players are going to keep testing positive. You, you see guys like Jokic are tested positive. I noticed a few others that I'm drawing a blank on. A few guys mm-hmm. in the Kings, Buddy Heald, Jabari Parker. Um, 80, just, just 80% of the Nets roster. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like, DeAndre it's, Jordan. and It's, yeah. it's like, it's, I, I don't want to laugh. Yes, but it's, 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 I don't want to laugh, but it's, 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 it is funny like how little there is left of this Nets team that was technically a playoff <laughs> team. Like, I think, like, Jalen oh, okay. Hans oh, and Timothy Luwawu are, like, in the starting five now. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll, we'll get to the Nets, but there's certainly... <laughs> there's not anybody behind them. Like, it's literally the Nets D-League team versus, like, the Bucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's well, kind of insane. Yeah. The the Nets, um... Yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to the Nets later. Um, but, but the last... One last thing on health and safety. Um, for the players that have already tested positive... Coming back doesn't change the fact that they've already tested positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, uh, Jokic tested positive while he was over in Serbia. Whether or not the NBA comes back doesn't change the fact that he tested positive. Mm-hmm. So, so Jokic isn't going to be allowed back into into the or isn't going to be allowed in the bubble until he registers two negative tests. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not worried about players coming in with COVID. 
Uh, all the people that are testing positive, it's very simple, won't be there if they're still positive. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I guess that was kind of the end of the thought. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, there's not... I think it's an important note. It's not like Jokic is walking in on the basketball court while he's already tested positive. Now, my concern is that a lot of these guys, a lot of the players that have tested positive and do have symptoms, think Spencer Dinwiddie, for instance, who said that he's still does not feel good at all, and mm-hmm. despite the fact that it was weeks ago, my concern is, are they going to push their bodies when they shouldn't? And even mm-hmm. though they're past the point of contagion for others, their bodies aren't ready. Mm-hmm. Plus, plus, you don't even get into the fact that these players have been out of basketball for the longest stretch of their life. I mean, Chris Middleton said that he there was a stretch where he didn't pick up a basketball for almost three months. Mm-hmm. When basketball comes back, it's going to be ugly, uh-huh. and it's going like we're going to see like some games that are like seventy-five to eighty-two. Yes. Um, in other words, two thousand two. Yeah, in other words, still higher scoring than the Nets uh, Spurs yeah. final. <laughs> it is really crazy watching these old games. It's like eighty-two, eighty Celtics Nets going into overtime. <laughs> yeah. Or that, or that Celtics Pistons game where it was like 69 to 64 or something, and each team shot 33 percent. The Nets got held to under 60 points in a playoff series against the Pistons, which is which is still like nuts. Yeah, it's still like fucking nuts. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Also, right, I'm so, not gonna, I don't, I just don't want to randomly shit on Byron Scott, but I don't know if you're should an should should you be able to retain your job as an NBA coach if your team doesn't score 60 points in like a playoff game? Well, he like, is technically a defensive-minded like, coach. Like... <laughs> now, oh yeah. <laughs> what are no now? All the concerns aside, let's just pretend that all is perfect and the NBA is it does come back. Players come back. Um, all the big name players are there. There's a lot to be excited for because this was a very fun season. And there were a lot of there's a lot of storylines going into going into the season. So what do you think? What is your biggest storyline going in for the rest of the season? I mean, it's 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 I think the actual biggest storyline is the fact that this is an asterisk season. This is whatever this is. It, it is going to be an asterisk. It's going to be OK. They won the championship. But like, obviously, all that crazy stuff was going on, like looking Looking back in hindsight, I mean, it's like, I mean, Giannis said that it shouldn't have an asterisk because this is going to be the hardest experience kind of of their lives as far as playing basketball into I, this bubble. I agree with Giannis. I agree with that, but at the same time, you're saying that, but like, dang, Adele is guarding you for like 20 minutes. Like, at the same time, it's like, I mean, what are we doing here with some of the some of the people that might be out on the court? You know, it's well, I mean, I mean, yeah, but you look at the guys that have dropped out and so here here's the full list of players that have dropped out. Trevor Ariza, Avery Bradley, Davis Bertans, Willie Colley Stein, Wilson Chandler, Tapo Cephalosha, DeAndre Jordan. And then, well, I'm, I'm assuming that I mean, Kyrie's obviously not there. Yeah, but but he was he was never gonna be there regardless. I mean, yeah, he's, Dinwiddie's he's a, not there, right? Um, well, Dinwiddie hasn't officially uh, withdrawn yet. It's it's. I mean, there's there's official withdrawings, and then like, I I would just be surprised if if a lot of these players, you know, it's it just seems kind of like a 
I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, this is such an issue that I, I can't criticize a player for wanting to play, but at the same time, like, I obviously can't criticize them for not. Like, it's, it's, no. it, it's just, I think the biggest storyline is that the Lakers still have, and the, the Lakers and the Bucks still have the most of their teams intact. And, and I, I do think, though, like, looking at it, I'm, I mean, I'm giving, I mean there's, I'm no, g- there's no real difference makers in the guys that I in the guys that I named. Yeah, the biggest difference maker, honestly, as far as a role player, is Avery Bradley. I think that yeah. the Lakers actually really will miss him. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 okay. You're right. He is he is the biggest uh, difference maker. But but for instance, like 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 you said, like you said, Giannis is is going to be guarded by someone that's like you know not a regular. But I would I would argue that's not true. I mean, who? Who in like the top teams in the East are are missing guys? I mean, Toronto, I mean, I was using I was I was using the Nets as an example, but well, like, I don't I don't think the Nets are going to make the playoffs anymore. I mean, yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, Timothy Wallow is getting like 15 shots a game at this point. Like, I mean, Washington only needs to only only needs to pick up one game for there to be a uh, a playing game. Yeah, it's pro. I mean, that's I I, well, I, I don't think the Nets are going to play around the point. And I mean, the Wizards, the Wizards should make the playoffs. Wow, um, didn't think I'd be saying that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the Wizards, Bertans has already uh, or Bertans has already withdrawn, and Bradley Beal said he's considering it. So if that's the case, then then who knows? But if Beal is there, then mm-hmm. then they should make the playoffs, especially over the Nets now. Absolutely. Now. There's a few interesting subplots. I personally think that, yeah, you're right. The asterisk thing is big. Um, I'm I'm on Giannis' side that I think this is going to be an incredibly impressive championship to win. Uh, it's a combination of suddenly every team in the league is arrested, but mm-hmm. not necessarily um, not necessarily ready for in-game shape. Oh, I forgot. Wait, Will, I hate to interrupt you. I forgot what is the biggest storyline. I completely okay. forgot about this. The teams that depend so much on home court advantage, what are yeah. they gonna do? Are the are the Sixers just gonna like lose to the Hornets? Like like <laughs> like like well, the Hornets aren't there, but yeah. <laughs> well, they they don't lose to someone. Like who's it gonna be? Like that's that's. I yeah. Mean, what do you what do you think? Like well no no continue with what you're saying. I was okay. just I was I'll just that was mine. Yeah yeah I'll I'll get back to that point because that's really interesting the whole home court advantage thing. Mm-hmm. I think that the biggest storyline now is very simply. The the two LA teams, the mm. Lakers and the Clippers. I think I think that for whatever reason the Clippers might actually be the biggest. I don't want to say winner because that sounds really insensitive to the times, but I mean yeah. like winner in terms of like playing at Staples Center versus playing at in Orlando. I mean, so yeah so yeah in, yeah I think you're right. You're not about case, you right. Yeah I mean because the, the Clippers and the Lakers are in my mind. One and two in the West. That's that's your Western Conference team. I don't see any other team beating them unless it's one or the other. And the Lakers' biggest advantage in a Clippers-Lakers series was going to be that it was basically going to be seven home games. Yes. And now that the Lakers don't have that, plus you have a fully rested Paul George, and I guess you can make uh, make the argument that it's a fully rested LeBron too, Mm -hmm. but... I don't know. I think that it's a huge pickup for the Clippers that they're no longer going to have to play seven road games in a series against the Lakers. Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a whole fact. I mean, you said they're one and two in the West. I mean, they're actually one and three in their home state. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
Actually, one in one in four. Excuse me, I put the one in four in their home state as far as their, their fan base support. So, despite the fact that I know some great Clippers fans out there, I'm, I'm riding with you guys. I, I hope that the Clippers are actually able to. Well, it's tough. I want the Clippers to win a chip because their fans deserve it. But at the same time, like it sucks that they wouldn't be there in person to to experience it in in any way. But um, but but yeah, I mean it's. I, I definitely agree. I think the, the the home the home and away stuff is going to be a massive storyline. Yeah. Is, is is along with if this the 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 development of young players. You know, like I remember you talking about like uh, Tatum and Brown on the Celtics. Yep. If, if if young if 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 development that we saw happening in real time, if that's just going to be resumed and it's going to be happening like it was before, or if it's different now. I mean, if I if I had to guess. I'd say it's I say I say every player in the league, except for like the top five kind of guys, like the Giannis, the LeBron, the Anthony Davis, uh, the mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Like unless you're like that echelon guy, you're gonna take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of these guys, like like for instance Tatum and Chris Middleton and Jalen Brown and. Uh, and and I and I guess Giannis to that to that extent these guys that haven't been in a gym the entire quarantine, it's it's gonna hurt them. I mean LeBron mm-hmm. has a LeBron has a full court in his house. Oh yeah, LeBron is not like. <laughs> but but, but for but for a guy like Tatum, who is living in an apartment and doesn't have a court, and said that he went like three months without shooting a basketball, mm-hmm. he's not gonna be in the same game shape that LeBron is. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And I actually. I really think that this championship is the Lakers to lose. I would be very surprised if the Lakers do not win this championship. Um, again, I could see the Bucks winning. I could see the Celtics winning. I could see the Clippers winning. I think that those are the four, the four top teams I could see winning. But I really think that the Lakers are an echelon above everyone else. I think you're actually genius for that because the Lakers, if you think about it, as far as a lot of the guys they have on the team, they have the most amount of guys, I think, that would have access to their own basketball courts as far as guys with contracts, guys who are not young. Like yeah. Dwight Howard definitely has a gym remotely close to him. Yeah, you know? I mean I mean Dwight Dwight owns a super mansion in Atlanta that he's been in. Mm-hmm. I mean he's definitely been in a gym. I mean Dwight Howard's obviously not a significant player in the Lakers, but he's he's mm-hmm. a good example. And the Lakers the Lakers have a like you said, a lot of those guys that would be the type to be to be in a gym. I mean I mean, you know, Kyle Kuzma has been taking five threes a day. He's been getting ready. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I don't have anything to. I don't have anything to say to that. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm always here for for your Kyle Kuzma takes. Yeah. Oh, I, I have some Kyle Kuzma takes for later. Don't you worry. Oh, because yeah. I saw, I saw yet another article calling him a young star. And and I just I Kyle Kuzma's agent and his PR manager man they don't they are underpaid. I mean them and Jeannie Buss are <laughs> doing the fucking thing out here. Like like Shams tweeting uh, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Kyle Kuzma, and other young stars. It's like I'm sorry what? <laughs> Kyle Kuzma who plays 22 minutes a game, scores 12 points a game, and shoots 29% from three point is being mentioned amongst Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum. It's rough times. It's rough times. Anyway, anyway, um, the other interesting storyline here that I think is how hard the NBA is working to get Zion into the playoffs. 
Ah. And I think that this is the absolute most like if I was if I was a Memphis Grizzlies fan, I would be furious. Me like, too, the, honestly. NBA is working so hard to try to get Zion into the playoffs, and I get it. I really, I do get it. Like Zion is, like, like who, who are you more? What series are you more likely to watch every game of? Zion versus LeBron or John Morant versus LeBron? Obviously, even though I'm like this Memphis team this year was really fun. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to see. I want to see John on a bigger stage, and they deserve it, but. At the same time, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's obviously I'm, must see TV. Yeah, and I mean, and, and as Lonzo you know, coming back versus the Lakers. <laughs> I'm yeah, president and CEO of the uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. fan club. Yes, yes. I called Jaron Jackson Jr. before the draft a young Anthony Davis. I'm with you. I think he's. I think he could. He's. He's. A, he might be Chris Bosh 2.0, kind of in a different no. form. I'm. I'm all. I'm all in on Jaron Jackson. So with a Grizzlies Lakers series, I would get a little master versus the student and Anthony Davis versus Jaron Jackson. Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but Some karate kid over here. Yeah. Um, man, I my predictions in that draft, I really killed that one. That was which which draft was that? That was uh, that was Luca, Jaron Jackson, Wendell Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, oh, man. Wendell Carter, man, we gotta we gotta save you, bro. We gotta save was, you, Dan. That was that was my best draft I have ever done. Where I was like, I don't understand why Luca's not like hands down the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Um, DeAndre Ayton's defense is very worrisome. Uh, why are the Kings taking Marvin Bagley? I'm I'm with you on that. Oh oh, that was a good draft for me. I I I was with you on Marvin Bagley and uh, someone who's still very very raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that pick either. But Obama I would, fate for, uh, just, just, just the, now, the the Obama coma that people went into for like two weeks is still incredible to me. It was that Alex Len syndrome of uh, <laughs> of workout killers. Of, oh, I mean, man. like like workout killers in a good way. Like they killed their workouts. Um, should take Jason Thompson in the first round. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, body debug. I think <laughs> now. Let's let's talk let's 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 talk about the uh, about the Lakers because we both think that they're probably the team to win the championship. Losing Avery Bradley is huge. They replaced him with J.R. Smith, who, <laughs> with the way social media and ESPN have reacted to them signing J.R. Smith, you'd think that he's an impact player. Yeah, it's when was wait when was the last time we saw J.R. Smith? Like, what was he doing? Like, how? Not shooting the basketball. <laughs> now, I'm gonna name I'm gonna name some players that are currently on the Lakers, Julian, and I want you to tell me if I am reciting a Shaqton in the Fool lineup, or if or if this is a real NBA roster. Oh, I'm 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 all in for this. So, so here are some names here: uh, Javale McGee, Ooh, Dwight Shaqton. Howard, Shaqton, Markeith Morris. Not really a Shaqton guy, but still yeah, a big time, like, but still a big time personality guy. He's Rondo. Like, he's like, Am I sure I want this guy on my team? Personality. As is yeah. as is Rondo. Rondo. Mm-hmm. Um, J.R. Smith. Ooh. Dwight Howard. Did I already say Dwight yeah, Howard? You said, I don't you know. Said Dwight. My, my bad. But you know the the, the point is. You, you left out KCP. Oh KCP, of course. I feel like I'm forgetting someone else, but this Lakers team has personality. 
<laughs> well, he's not a personality guy, but yeah, they, they have some personality. Uh-huh. It is quite insane. Oh, and that, oh, I, I forgot Kyle Kuzma. Dion Waiters. Dion That's what yes, I'm thinking. Dion Waiters. Yes. I trust Alex Caruso more than 70% of this roster. Oh, so do I. I mean, you you look <laughs> at this roster. You look at this roster, and LeBron and AD are obviously 1-2. And there is a real case to be made that Danny Green's the third best player. And I would listen to arguments about how Ronda, playoff Rondo might be number four. <laughs> I mean, I, I with with playoff Rondo, I still de- defer to what he was... When he was in one of my favorite, one of the most amusing, like, bands for, like, two weeks of all time. Like, uh, Rondo, Rolo, and the Zombie Bulls. Like, that was <laughs> playoff Rondo for, like, two weeks against the Celtics. And the first round was, like, pretty nuts. Like, it was, like, wait, what, 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 the, what the fuck? What, what is this? Next to, like, Zombie Dwayne Wade for, for a series. I didn't, it was, it was a bizarre, like, I re- it was a bizarre, like, two weeks of my life, but I really enjoyed it, too. Rondo, Rondo only played the first two games of that series, and he got hurt. Exactly. But, but yeah, he, Rondo, look, if, if all of a sudden Rondo averaged a triple-double in the playoffs, if I told you right this second, hey, the Lakers win the win the finals, and Rondo is finals MVP, it's not, not be a shocked. billion percent out of the equation. It's not. For like, That's how for those, weird Rondo's career is. <laughs> for those who are listening, who don't, like, for fully, like, you know, who don't want to, like, Google Rondo's playoff stats or, like, watch games, which, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, like, on your side, I understand. But, like, just this, 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 this will, like, this will, um, uh, this, this, this proves the point. Um, there was a point in that Bulls-Celtics series where I was, like, because of playoff Rondo, I was like, Paul Zipser. <laughs> Not <laughs> yeah, too bad. Like, I, I, was was like, I was like, man, Paul Zipser isn't missing out there. <laughs> there was a serious time in my life where I had legitimate anger towards Paul Zipser. <laughs> as a Celtics fan. But no, let's, yeah. let's go back even further. Playoff Rondo. Rondo played against LeBron and the Heat in 2012. And LeBron was, and and Rondo was the best player in a series that featured Garnett, Pierce, Chris Bosh, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade. He straight up punked punked LeBron. Like it's still like 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 there was a game where Rondo scored forty four points. That like playoff Rondo's a thing. Anyway, anyway, someone who can't hit three point shots in the regular season to put up forty four in a playoff game is crazy. Yeah. So so back back to the Lakers. I have serious concerns though with their roster, and I think that the, I think that they're gonna win because LeBron and AD are that good, and Danny Green is forever just stand in a corner and hit threes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I, I, w- I went back and I and I was looking at a lot of Miami Heat. I was talking about Miami Heat, uh, Lakers, and just trying to figure out like, okay, what could be their closing lineup. And this is the same concern we had earlier in the year. Because like, I when you say earlier in the year, like earlier in the year, like literally our off season Yeah. Like like content. And, and, like <laughs> And losing Avery Bradley kinda hurts them, like in terms really of that them. like in that he could be on the floor in the last ten seconds of the game guarding the main ball handler. Uh-huh. Um and I have serious concerns about Kyle Kuzma. You look at Kyle Kuzma 
And and I'm not and I'm not I swear I promise I'm not only saying this because I hate Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> it is a known fact that I'm not a Kyle Kuzma fan. Yes. But <laughs> but I have serious concerns about him. Number one, it's just three point shooting. He is someone that I mean he shot twenty nine percent from three point this year. He is someone that is not going to be a playmaker. You can't you, – you can you can sag off of him. Like if LeBron has the ball and there are 20 seconds left, you can stand five feet off of Kyle Kuzma when LeBron drives into the paint. Mm-hmm. Like like you, can, like you can double off Kyle Kuzma. But the thing with Kyle Kuzma is that Kyle Kuzma will not be afraid to shoot the ball. He, he has a lot of that Marcus Smart syndrome of, huh – Seven, sec- seven seconds left in the game. I need to take this shot. It's almost more Marcus Morris than Marcus Smart, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Kyle Kuzma shot a lot this year. He became very shot happy. Mm-hmm. Kind of to the point where he really was not passing the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma was someone who caught the ball and was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get it back. So I need to shoot because I'm only playing 25 minutes a game and I need to get my shots up. And the thing is, he was he was actually he, he played really well. You know, he was he was better than ever, honestly, to start off the year. And it just it just it just did not sustain. It's just it just it was just like a leaky faucet. It's just yeah. the leak just kept getting bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden there was like a like it was like a flood in the basement all before before the NBA ended. I mean, he I'm pretty sure Kyle Kuzma had a few uh, DNPs coaches decision. I mean, Kuzma, Kuzma is, and, and the thing with Kuzma is, he, they played against the Celtics, and Tatum had like 40 points or whatever, and was going off, and they put Kuzma on him, and he kind of stopped Tatum. Uh-huh. So he has these moments where you're like, wait, Kuzma's a good defender, and in the very next game he gets beat, like beat backdoor consistently by Jay Crowder, and. He's a maddeningly inconsistent player. I think that he's overrated, and I think that he's going to get into the playoffs, and he's going to be like, "Great, my time to break out." Like, like let's like I want everyone. Like he's going to walk into the playoffs being like, "I want to show everyone that I am a young star." Mm-hmm. And I say young in 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 quotes because he's like 27 years old. And star in even more quotes. Yeah. Another team that I want that I that I want to spend a few seconds on. Is the Indiana Pacers? Mm, interesting. So Oladipo is not playing. He he said that he wants to rehab. He said that he wants to take the time off. Smart. And 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 like I mentioned before, these players have taken so much time off that their bodies are serious injury risks right now. It's the right decision. If you're anywhere, yep. if you're remotely near coming back from something like it's that's that's 10 times out of 10 the right decision and if you're someone like Oladipo who are recovering from a major injury Mm -hmm. like 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 how there was like rumors like that Durant might come back or something like that like that was that would have been so stupid Mm -hmm. and also when you're someone like not the time to come back (laughs) and and also if someone you're like if you're someone like Oladipo who so much of his Game is predicated on his explosiveness and quick, tw- and quick twitch athleticism. He's not yeah. like 
Zaza Pachulia just standing in the paint or yeah. like or and you know like body slamming Kawhi Leonard into the first throw of the you know the, the stand so that you know the Warriors can win a playoff series uh, or yeah. like you know just like Jason Capano sitting in the corner like no like he he Man, Jason his... Capono shout out didn't think we were getting that today. I love I love Jason Capono very very ahead of his time I had um, very ahead I of his time guy one of three point contest <laughs> I cannot stop like. I will always, I will be like 80 years old. I will still be mad at Zaza for, for body, for, 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 um, not body slamming for, uh, for getting, for, for standing under Kawhi. Like if that was, I, you, can, you can, if, if Zaza Pachulia was in the electric chair and told me that that was an accident, like I still would oh, not believe sure. him. For sure. If JC Capono played today, does he make 70 million in his career? <laughs> Is he paid I mean, more or less than Doug McDermott? He's paid, he's paid more than Doug McDermott and less than Steve Novak if he were playing today. <laughs> Man, Steve Novak, very ahead of his time. Very ahead of his time. That one, those, those like two years on the Knicks, like he was yeah. a big part of those teams. Like, yeah. it's funny watching those, like, because I remember, um, I remember telling telling you, Will, that it really did does feel kind of good to hear the Knicks announcers and Carmelo Anthony, sure. like watching some of those. Those old Knicks teams in like 2011, 2012, but like, like Novak was really good and really important as far as their floor spacing. Mike Woodson also ahead of his time, yeah. so higher Mike Woodson. What's, but like Chandler was funny. Nasty. Yeah, yeah. Chandler what's great? What's funny is that the Knicks and the Heat had these moments where they were they kind of figured out like the next generation of basketball. Yeah. Like like those two teams in particular and I guess the Spurs also, but now it's funny cuz the Spurs have gone the complete opposite direction, mm-hmm. but those two teams were like, "Huh, five out basketball. Like let's shoot a lot of threes." Mm-hmm. And then and then they'd be like, "Oh, here comes Eric Dampier in the game. Let's get him a post up." <laughs> so so they they were figuring it out, but then they played Joel Anthony 20 minutes. And the, it was, it was really yeah. weird. And the Knicks were giving minutes to Cole Aldrich. Yeah. Oh my God. Or uh, or, or or Lou Amundsen. Oh, uh, Lou Amundsen. Amundsen. I remember him. Post hook. A Lou Amundsen. If you go on YouTube, Julian, and and to our listeners, Google Lou or go on YouTube, search Lou Amundsen post hooks, and there's a seven like minute compilation of Lou Amundsen just airballing post hooks. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. I'm I'm googling this. This is on YouTube. Um. I'm not seeing Lou Amundsen post-hooks. I'm seeing worst three free-throw attempts, two air ball in a row. Okay. Lou might... Amundsen owns Gasol, Bynum, and the Lakers. <laughs> okay. I might... <laughs> I, 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 it, bizarre it might... Lou, Lou Amundsen content I didn't know existed. It, it might it might be on Twitter. I'm going to find it and send it to you because I swear to God, you will watch all seven minutes of it and laugh. I know Cole Just... Aldrich has one of those highlight reels. Wait, it might be Cole Aldridge, not Lou Amundsen. Wait, it might be him. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it, this, it's, yeah it's 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 an hour. It's 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 a one thir- it's a minute thirty, just airballing hook shots. Okay, it was Cole Aldridge. Dang it. Okay, I was close though. It was the Nick Center. Wow, okay, I was close. Anyway, anyway. Um What what so what's what's something you're looking forward into the season? So we have we we have the Pacers who are missing Oladipo. That's going to be huge for them. I still think that they're going to be a competitive team. They're going to be competitive out. Sabonis took a huge step this year, and they were really good playing through him. Uh, T.J. Warren can still score. They're still going to be a tough defensive team. But what team in what team do you think is going to shock people and be like, oh, wow, they're actually playing pretty well? 
honestly, I'm going to go with my pick from earlier. I think the Wizards might do something because <laughs> of three reasons. Bradley Beal is 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 a is one of the bon- he's one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. He's not the best player, but he's one of, obviously not the best player. But he's yeah. one of the top guys, and if you can get if you can ride a top guy when his when he's hot, when his when his three is going in and whatnot, and the and with the with some of the other guys on the Wizards, I mean there isn't much else obviously, but I was I was one of this is this. This past year's draft and the draft before were two of my best all-time drafts. And one thing I got right was Rui Hachimura, despite the fact that I like him. He has mul- he has multiple like red flags as far as he's like 21, 22, and he's still like kind of raw. But watching him in, in watching not just his highlights, but watching like some games with him at Gonzaga, I was really impressed by not just the fact that he really gave a shit. But by his instincts, by by just other things that he was doing on the court, really impressed me. And I yeah. actually, I think I gave the pick a bad grade at the time because it was the Wizards making it. But yeah. I always really liked Hachimura, and I think that he, I I would not be surprised if he has a really impressive run in this in the bubble. And also, I mean, talk For about sure. players that can like hone their game at home, like. Yamahimi must have like a personal gym or something <laughs> there. Like, <laughs> I would be shocked if he's been sitting around this entire time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think they're a team that could actually. So you mentioned the Nets before, and I'm not gonna say they're gonna shock people, but I think that the Nets actually this might work out really well for them. I mean, if for, Dinwiddie, for, if Dinwiddie is there, if if you if, if Dinwiddie is playing with with. If if you have the if oh no I don't it. I don't I don't I don't mean that they're gonna be good <laughs> I I mean when I I say that this is gonna work out for them because they're gonna suck and and I don't think that Dinwiddie will play and this is what's gonna happen they're going to have absolutely nobody and Karis Levert they'll have they'll have Levert Harris and Jared Allen at most yes and what do cool. and what do those guys have in common they were better last year huh. Well, I mean, yeah, that too. Not, not um, I love Levert. I love Karis Levert so much. I really believe in him. I think he he he. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually has a has a big bubble. But what are yeah. you gonna say? So, so exactly, this is going to work out for them because they're going to lose. They're going to slip out of the playoffs. Then they're going to become a lottery team, and they're going to have a chance at a lottery pick, which is better for trade value. What else is going to help trade value? Karis Levert exploding because he's going to be taking 30 shots a game. Well, the funny what thing else is, is good for trade value. Jared Allen getting all these minutes that DeAndre Jordan doesn't have to hog up and get rebounds. And Nick Claxton getting all of the. The all of the Jared Allen minutes that were from DeAndre Jordan hogging them up to get rebounds. Yeah, yeah. And I also, mean, like honestly, if I'm the Nets, I actually wouldn't even trade that pick. Like Sean Marks has a really, really good draft record in the last few years. I would want to hold on to that to to lean towards his expertise. If you could trade though, that pick, uh, Karis Levert, and another first rounder for Bradley Beal, would you do it? I think that I think that, that that the worse the Nets do and the better that pick can no, be, that no. becomes a very realistic trade. No, really. I want I want uh, that second first rounder. I'm stuck on that second first rounder. I know it probably has to be in the deal, but I'm so stuck on that second first rounder. Boy, especially I don't if you're think the Nets, gonna... you especially if you're the Nets, you're in uh, PBKSD. 
mode still. Yeah, that's the next true. like ten years, that doesn't stand stand for Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Billy King. That's <laughs> oh, believe me, Julian, I knew what you meant. Those Good. picks were amazing. <laughs> See, Will, this is why we're boys. <laughs> I knew exactly what you meant. Dude, all rip. Oh man, that trade. I mean. I mean, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, and uh, who was the other guy that we took? Oh, James James Young. So we had a 50% uh, track record on those picks. Oof. And woo! <laughs> what happened with Yabasel? Was, was that the Celtics pick? That was the Celtics one. Oh, and the pick that became uh, Colin Sexton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I will it's say, kind of I will funny say. that the Celtics used that pick to trade for Kyrie, and then the Nets ended up getting Kyrie. So so think about it as you traded that pick for Kyrie. And speaking of picks that go to teams and then kind of come back to teams, Will, I was was referencing Amari Stoudemire's odyssey (laughs) that became him, but Will, guys, man, uh, score is high, man. We've got something special for you right now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to to that, I want to mention, I want to, I have one more thing I want to talk about with the bubble. Oh, okay, okay. I want to talk about the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Because obviously I'm a Celtics fan. I love to talk about the Celtics. But I think, I think that there's a real chance that they're the team that comes out of the East. And there is a lot that I have to look forward to that I think that I want to talk about. Number one. Kemba is back full health. Mm, true. At the end of the season, Kemba was really hurt. Uh, like, to the point where they probably shouldn't have been playing. He was really struggling with his lift. He couldn't get a lot of lift on his shot. He drove into the paint, and he was afraid of contact. He was really banged up. And there were real concerns as far as, like, should he be out there in crunch time with, <laughs> with yeah. still wanting to play someone like Hayward and Smart? yeah. And he was, yeah, I mean, he was really hurt. He says he's back to 100% health. Great. Next player, Gordon Hayward, been resting. Now, Hayward gave an interview the other day, said two things. Both are technically worrisome, but I don't really care about one of them because I get it. The worrisome thing that's really, that's more so, he said that he's still been really sore recently from from his, from when he broke his ankle. Mm-hmm. And that's alarming, and I... And Hayward was – Hayward had a really good season. Hayward had a very underrated season. And people like to say, oh, Gordon Hayward's overrated, like, because he earns all this money. Julian, as the fourth option on the Celtics this year, Hayward averaged 17, 7, and 4. And he shot 50, 39, 85. Doesn't sound like overrated to me. Like, what do people want from a fourth option? I get oh. it. I get it. He now Hayward was very up and down this year in terms of his aggressiveness. Like, at, like right when the season started, for like that first like two months, Hayward was the best player on the Celtics. Uh-huh. And it looked like he was a hundred percent back. His aggressiveness was there. He was the best player at the beginning of the season. Then he then he broke his hand against Minnesota, I think it was. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he, and he wasn't as aggressive after that, but he certainly showed a flash that we hadn't seen since 2017 with with Utah. I, so, I mean, I, I agree with that 100. percent And the fact that when you're just thinking about it in general, like who you want is like your third or fourth guy. Like 
Hayward is actually kind of the perfect guy because he's someone that he doesn't need the ball all the time. No, for he, sure. He, he, yeah, and he can, and he's happy coming off the bench. He's not like an egomaniac who always, you know, wants his name in the spotlight. Like no. Hayward's such a malleable, you know, type of Swiss Army knife type of player at this point. And yeah. It, which, which obviously all credit goes to him for, you know, just just working so hard to get back after this injury, which, I mean, he still clearly isn't the j- just, he isn't the exact yeah. replica of what he is before, but, like, he's a, he's a great third, fourth option. For sure, for sure, and I really hope that he is back on the Celtics. I mean, Gordon Hayward shot a career high from the field this year. Uh-huh. That's, that's, like, I, I'm, I'm fine with him. I really like him. I think he's great. Now... Oh. I will, oh, sorry. I just wanted to say one last quick thing about Gordon Hayward. Let's play. Uh, let's play a quick game. Will, if you're, uh, if you're Rob Palinka or Elton Brand, you can, for your for your third slash fourth option. Your your choices are Kyle Kuzma, Al okay. Horford slash Josh Richardson and Gordon Hayward. Who do you take? Uh, none of the above. I give <laughs> Contavious Caldwell Pope eighteen million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who is his agent again? <laughs> Does he have LeBron's agent? I, I think he might. Rich Paul. I, think I, think, he might. I think he has Rich Paul. Oh, my God. I okay. believe he's a clutch sports guy, but I might be wrong. We'll, we'll have to clutch. check that one. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, what were you about to say? <laughs> oh, but, but about Gordon Hayward. So this is, where, this, is, this is the worrisome thing for the Celtics. Hayward's wife is pregnant. She's Ooh. due to give birth pretty soon. Uh, end of August, early September. Hayward said that he will leave the team if she gives birth while they're still playing. Now, I have nothing wrong with that. I, I, in fact, I think that that's a great thing to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. he should be there. Of course. But from a Celtics point of view, that sucks because he's, he's been so good. And that is the only thing that worries me about the Celtics team is losing Gordon Hayward again. Now, that's it but for the Celtics. Um, I don't really have anything else to add on that one. I think that, I think that they are – I think I, I have more faith in them than I do uh, than I do the Heat, the Pacers, uh, Toronto, um, although, although Toronto is really good. But, mm-hmm. but the Sixers are, an, are, are, are the team that's really – hard to pin down and and the thing with the Sixers is that I think that it's going to be either all in or all not as far as like their, their team chemistry and whatnot as far I don't, I don't think there's going to be anything in the medium either Simmons and Embiid and Brett Brown and and whatever that team was is it's, it's either gonna fall apart more or they, they somehow banded together and all of a sudden the weirdo Sixers it's, it's they're kind of Threatening in the Eastern Conference all of a yeah. sudden. <laughs> I mean, the thing with the Sixers is what is going to be affected most from players not playing for a long time? Shooting. What do their two <laughs> best players not able to do, really? Shoot. So while every other team is struggling to shoot, they're playing their same game that they've always played. And I think that that could actually really work out in their favor. But what if, like, Tobias Harris and, like, well, yeah, I mean, nobody can really shoot that well. I mean, I mean, you, you got a point. You got a point. I mean, unfortunately, 
the, the, the hope there would be that Joel Embiid doesn't like keep taking three pointers. He doesn't need to take yeah. because yeah. he won't be able to shoot. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, for the for the Sixers, it still matters so much shooting wise as far as what Tobias Harris, Korkmaz, who actually who 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 was actually pretty fun this year, and um. And yeah, he Josh had a Richardson few moments. Issue. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like Matisse Thibel is supposed to just like start jacking up shots all of a sudden. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on the NBA, or you want to get into the Phoenix Suns? I'm ready to get into the Phoenix. Okay. Suns. So for everyone that doesn't know, at the end of the last podcast, Julian and I have decided that we're going to, at the end of all the podcasts going forward, we're going to use a random year generator and a random NBA team generator to pick a random team and year, a random year and team to talk about for the end of the podcast. It landed on the 2003 Phoenix Suns. And so, here's the thing. Let me, oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. You said at the end of the podcast, this is going to be, this is going to take like a long fucking time. So like, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to change this to like second half of the episode. Okay, that's, that's, that's true. Anything but, else? But yes. Stay tuned, 100%. stay tuned at the end of the podcast. Or do you want to do it right now to pick next week's team? Let's, uh, let's, let's do it at the let's end. Wait till the end of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, okay. we got everybody, we got to keep everybody around. They're obviously so, going to keep listening to us. But shit. So some quick facts about the 2003 Phoenix Suns. They finished fourth in the NBA Pacific Division. They went 44 and 38. Their coach was Frank Johnson, executive Brian Colangelo. They were the fourth seed in the West. And a weird fun fact, they actually won 15 games in the regular season when they were behind going into the fourth quarter. Oh, so wow. Frank Johnson, you know, I had and, and when we were and we were picking this team, we were it was pure ecstasy when we looked at this roster. There's oh yeah, so no, much this was to talk about. This was it's, a totally random team pick, mm-hmm. and we were very excited with that. Assistant coach Mike D'Antoni. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the roster here. Yes, please. Randy Brown. Yes. Ford. Tom Gugliotta. Penny Hardaway. Casey Jacobson. Joe Johnson. Stefan Marbury. Sean Marion. Bo Outlaw. Amari Stoudemire, uh, Scott Williams, and then a few other random people that I cannot pronounce their names because they're European. Okay, okay, I got, I got you, Will. This is and these are. All right, I'm, let's do I'm it. offense. Random people. The first, I believe, the first Greek basketball player of all time, <laughs> Jake Sakalidis. Okay, see, this is why I needed you because I can't pronounce that. And uh, Jake Voskel, who um, we'll, we'll get into later. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, oh, I missed one. I missed one. Dan Dan Lange. Dan Lange. I, I I don't I have never heard of Alton Ford until I looked at uh Brian Colangelo's executive record, Dan Lange, or um uh I think those are the only two people I didn't I, I hadn't heard of before. I didn't I did not know Alton Ford, Dan Lange, or um Jake Testa, whatever his last name is. <laughs> Jake Testa. Jake Sakalidis. Jake Sakalidis. Real name Yakovos. Well, I didn't know him either. Also, like, just kind of like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay, so, so we're gonna go through a few topics on this one. Uh, uh, Julian, do you want to go over the over the topics? Okay, so we've got categories. We're very organized with this. Yes, yeah, so, I know you got it written down. 
Yes, uh, we've got. So first, we're going to talk about how they came to be and what ha- what the hell happened afterwards. We got to set the right. stage with these guys. Um, we're going to go over what's aged the best. Okay. What's aged the worst? Okay. Most ahead of their time. All right. Uh, uh, Apex Mountain. Um, slash just yeah. Who who is? Well, well, honestly, I don't even know what the the highest apex exactly is, but we'll we'll figure that when so, uh, when we get there. I so that, that that topic basically means like which one of these players this or which one of these people was the highlight of their career. Mm-hmm. Like this was the absolute highest point. And also, shouts out to Bill Simmons and the Rewatchables. Great category. Thank you so much. I gotta pay tribute to you for uh for the for the Apex Mountain uh for the Apex Mountain label. And also, we have two other categories. I do not want blank on my team. Okay. And did the team reach their ceiling? Okay. So, which topic do you want to start off with? Let's start off with with uh, how they came to be and how they and what happened afterward. AKA right. reading Brian Colangelo's basketball reference page. <laughs> so, how did they come to be? The year before that, they finished uh, they finished last in their division. They were 36 and 46. They fired Scott Skiles halfway through the year. Uh, Frank Johnson took over. Brian Colangelo was still there. And then going and then going into this year, they lost Rodney Rogers. Uh, they traded him with the Celtics in a trade that got them Joe Johnson. And they, this is also the rookie season for Amari Stoudemire. I think that's what, that's the most important part. And there's in the Amari pick actually has a, a really kind of bizarre odyssey. The fact that it was actually first, the, the Suns actually traded their own pick to Orlando in August of 1999 for, uh, well, uh, they traded Pat Garrity, Danny Manning, a first rounder that became Jason Collins, and another first, which became Amari for Penny Hardaway. All right. And then what happened is, um, let me pull this up. So as part of a three-team trade in 2001, the Suns traded Judd Bushler to the Magic. The Suns uh, traded Vinny Del like Negro Doug. to the Clippers. The Magic traded Bo Outlaw and Amar in the pick that became Amari Sotomayor to the Suns. So Orlando, not not great for Orlando. They traded a, for a lottery pick and Bo Outlaw for Judd Bushler. Yeah, good trade for Brian for Brian Colangelo. Great trade for Brian Colangelo. Wow, getting his own pick back. <laughs> All right, so most ahead of their time guy. Was that the next one? Uh, well, what what happened afterwards? And I oh, mean, sorry, sorry. What happened next? What happened well, next? That's important. <laughs> well, what happened next is pretty. Oh, one other thing that um to set to set the stage for what happened here is in uh, July 18th of 2001, Brian Colangelo traded Chris Dudley and Jason Kidd to the Nets for Stephon Marbury, who we'll get to in a few minutes. Johnny Newman and Sumalia Samake. And also on the same day, he traded Cliff Robinson, who was actually quite good. Ahead of his time guy. Yep. So the Pistons for Judd Bushler and John Wallace. John Wallace, great college guy. (laughs) I don't even know who that is. I assume that's the John Wallace from Syracuse, right? I should. I could not not tell you. Oh, by the way, one other thing about— He was a Knicks um, first-rounder. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I um, got my John Wallace knowledge. That one I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last thing. Do you want to? Will do you want to touch it on the uh, on the Joe Johnson trade once more? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just gonna skip right to my what age the worst section. Um, 
Um, okay, yeah. So, Joe Johnson, promising young rookie on the Celtics. Uh, you know, they, 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 they got him in the draft. All, all was going well. Um, in comes Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino wants to make a win-now trade. You know with why, Chris, Julian? With Chris Wallace at his side, no, no less. <laughs> Rick Pitino figured that, okay, wow, we can win right now. Let's get Tony Delk. Let's get Rodney Rogers. This is our year. So he <laughs> trades Joe Johnson, Randy Brown, and a first-round pick for Rodney Rogers and Tony Delk. What the hell, Rick Pitino? All right, now. No, no love for Milt Palacio? Uh, he's not even worth mentioning. <laughs> and, a, and a couple throw-ins. Oh, man. Now. To be that... fair to Rick Pitino. Okay, I'm going to defend Rick Pitino for one second. Wow, okay. Watching the Celtics net series that year in 2002, Rodney Rogers really was big for the Celtics in the playoffs. Okay, that's all my Rick Pitino defense. Will, the floor is yours. Do you know what the Celtics probably could have used? A team that had a starting lineup of Chauncey Billups, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, and Antoine Walker. That's actually a pretty good team in a very weak Eastern Conference. <laughs> but sure, wrong. let's trade Chauncey and Joe Johnson before they finish their rookie year. For Tony right. Delk, who, who I, I think I texted you, Will, last, last week. Tony Delk scored 50 points in a game without a single three-pointer as a guard. The crazy thing is he also looked 50 in college. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, perennially. I, looks like, <laughs> I wonder if he looks like a teenager now. He's like Benjamin Button or something. Yeah. Like, dude, old as hell. So, um, so what happened the next year? Because what happens next is obviously good too. Frank mm-hmm. Johnson got fired halfway through the year. He was replaced with uh, assistant coach Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went twenty-nine and fifty-three. They didn't do very well, but yeah, they also picked up uh, Antonio McDyess. And the thing is, is the crazy thing about this this roster is. It's like in checkers, knowing that, like, you'll be able to double jump someone and all of a sudden you'll be king. That's what watching – that's what looking at this Suns roster is like because – Well, they also got rid of Barberry. Forgot that one. Oh, uh, what, what happened right after in, in – uh, actually, not right after, midseason, January 5th of 2004, they dumped they, – they, I was going to say they traded. No, they dumped. Um, Penny Hardaway, Stefan – and Cesare Trebonski to the Knicks for Howard Isley, Masiege Lampe, Antonio McDice, Charlie Ward's ghost, Milos Vujanic in a 2004 first round. Charlie Ward, great, uh, great dual athlete. I believe he won the Heisman. He did. I, I oh, believe he did. Oh, I forgot about this trade. So the Knicks, so, the, so what happened in this trade is the Suns cleared cap space and the Knicks gave them, actually, Maciej Lampe was actually, actually, no, I'm, I'm mispronouncing it, Machik Lampe was actually pretty highly regarded in his day. He was like a really top international prospect back in 2003. Um, McDice was getting kind of, you know, uh, he had he had some injury issues at that point. Antonio McDice, if you play his career like 100 times, he definitely got the worst version of it. I'm with you on that. The crazy thing is the Knicks in this trade Gave up two picks. One was a first rounder that Kirk that uh, Kirk Snyder was taken in in 2004, and the other first rounder. We talked about this man earlier. The other first rounder became Gordon Hayward Woo! in 2010. Oh my God! 
Oh my Damn. god. That's that's nuts in retrospect. That's that pick oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, so they also traded that pick with Kirk Snyder with Tom Gugliotta for a second rounder and uh, and a second rounder for Keon Clark in Ooh. 2004. <laughs> so we, we were talking about this, Will. Do you want to give your Brian Colangelo transaction record uh, analogy right now? <laughs> yeah, so Brian Colangelo, um, I, you have to mention the good and the bad because mm-hmm. he – had, he won two executive of the years. He had some he had some very high moments in the NBA. Um like so so this one trade that I saw, this was not this year in particular, but I saw it and I thought it was worth mentioning. Um if I can find it right here. Uh yeah, he traded Cedric Sabalos to the Lakers for Michael Finley in his, uh for the draft pick that became Michael Finley. Great trade. Like that's like an all time good trade. Mm-hmm. Uh but if we go to 2003, let me see what they did this year. All right. These are some of the moves they made this year. Uh, like I mentioned, they made the Tony Delk Rodney Rogers trade. They selected Amari Stoudemire. They signed Scott Williams. They traded uh, Milt Policio, whatever, whatever that dude's name was again, uh, for a second round pick, whatever. Uh, signed Anthony God or Goldwire. Guess he didn't make it very far. Signed Demar Johnson. Whoa, I like Demar Johnson. Um, let's see. Uh, traded the 2005 first uh, round pick that became David Lee for Leandro Barbosa. Uh huh. Pretty nice. Um, and then after the season, he traded Bo Outlaw and Jake Testaviles. For you like that pronunciation, that was pretty good. <laughs> pretty close. For, yeah. for Brevin Knight and Robert Archibald. So, um, uh, uh, one other and, and, and the funny thing about the hot and cold. I might have missed something cr- there. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know, but the crazy thing about um the the hot and coldness of Brian Colangelo is it also like went over it spilled over to free agency. When I was talking about double jumping and checkers earlier. I was talking about the big move that, in, in addition to you know clearing cap space and hiring D'Antoni, that the that the Phoenix Suns made in the year after the one we're talking about, where the cap space that you know Marbury and Hardaway became Steve Nash, but also Quentin Richardson, who they signed for so much money and ended up essentially dumping in a few years that. They could have just signed Joe Johnson for in a few years. So thus, Joe Johnson had to flee and go to the Hawks so he could be paid reasonably. Yes. So <laughs> you see the and then one day unreasonably. Oh, also selected Luol Deng seventh in the NBA draft. Traded nice Luol Deng for Jackson Roman, a 2005 first rounder, which he later traded to the Knicks for. Um, oh, this is another fun trade. One last fun trade. Select uh yeah selected Nate Robinson with that 2005 pick that's not that's that's good and Marcin Gortat in the second round of the 2005 NBA draft huge win 2005 for Brian Colangelo then he traded Quentin Richardson Nate Robinson to the Knicks for Kurt Thomas and Deshaun Thompson and then traded mm-hmm. Marcin Gortat to the Magic for future considerations Marcin Gortat um was good. He was good. He was underrated. Great screen setter, you know. Oh, oh, oh! You want you want to get me started on Martian Gortat screens, Julian? Is that really what we want to do? <laughs> oh, I man. promise you that when the season is over, I will do an hour podcast 
purely on Marcin Gortat's screen setting. Like, I promise you I can do that. And you know what? Actually, no, not just Marcin Gortat. I will do screen setting in general. I will talk Aaron Baines. I will talk Wes Unseld. I will talk, uh, I'll talk KG, Al Horford. There are so many different types of screens. Oh my god, do I love a good screen. Anyway, you know who's a good screen setter? You know who's a good screen setter? Amari Stoudemire, too. Who's right, on we'll the team. So we'll, let's pull it back We'll here. get into him in a second, honestly. <laughs> Honestly, we might get in, we might get into him in the next category. So, All right, um, what's the next category? I think it's what stage is the best. And okay. for this, and for the this Amari team, Amari Stoudemire draft pick. Yes, and I would say in general, young Amari. So one one thing I watched in preparation for this was this uh, Suns Spurs game from yep. the very first round of this playoff series that I didn't know. It's actually kind of like a famous game, especially in Suns history. This is it was a really fun game, and there's a reason. So here's the thing. We'll get into Stefan Marbury, his flaws and his uh, positives in, in a few Positive, minutes. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> but for me, watching Young Amari was, was really incredible. I mean, he, he ran like a gazelle and was honestly the entire game just like – he was literally oozing content. I mean, oozing talent. I mean, driving, finishing through contact, doing a really good job defensively on Tim Duncan, of all people. And with 120 left in the game – uh, there's a wide open roll to the basket for Amari because the Marbury and Amari, despite the tongue twister that it is, that pick and roll was actually pretty good. And Stefan and with with Amari wide open, Stefan tried to drive through two guys to the basket, realized he couldn't, threw it to Amari too late, and it was a wild shot. And in this game, Amari actually banks in a three with eight seconds left Ooh. to tie the game in regulation. And I wrote in my in my um in my notes for this game next to above. I wish Amare shot more threes. He really could shoot them. Uh-huh. So ahead of his time, and I, I was I was I I wrote this in capital letters next to my Mike Brown sighting uh, note. Um, <laughs> why is the offense not running through him? Why is the offense not running through him? I couldn't believe the the Suns didn't see it then. I mean, I guess they did see it the next season that okay, Amari is the best player on this team. Maybe he's not technically the best player, but we need to run everything through him, and it was very apparent, the future of this team in that game. And actually, one thing that um, – one thing I do want to bring up real quick that going through Amari's stats and resume, I think I think Amari has a seriously legitimate Hall of Fame case. He really um, does. A – so are we talking a us Hall of Fame that we went no, over not. No, or no, a no, 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 no. NBA Hall of Fame? We're talking NBA Hall of Fame where Okay, so Mitch while we're talking Richmond about the NBA before. Hall <laughs> while we're talking about an NBA Hall of Fame, Julian, you know who's a really good case? Tom Gugliota. He went scored twenty points a game. Oh, nice. That's enough. That's, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. The funny <laughs> thing is looking looking at it, Amari has a better resume than Chris Weber. Does he? Yep. He does. Good. He does. If you look at same All-Stars, uh, Amari had more uh, second or first teams. And I, I don't know if I would say Amari was better than Chris Webber, but I think that Amari's peak was better than Chris Webber's peak. So so, uh, so actually actually hold on Amari because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about him on my deep dive. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, okay, so what age the worst? Can I just uh, say – can I just say <laughs> Stefan Marbury? 
We'll get into Amar- we'll get into Marbury in a second. But the, problem, but the problem the problem with Stefan Marbury is he's the answer for half these categories. Like like the like the next one where you were like uh, the category who do you not want on your team? The answer is also Stefan Marbury. It's a fact. Like and he's though, the answer I, for half these questions. I also had to think about who I didn't want on my team. Okay, here's the thing. I have love for Iso Joe. I have love for Iso Joe, but I actually thought about him for this category, thinking about, like, is my team better off? If, if I want to move the ball, shoot threes, and kind of play in a modern NBA, like, I don't know if Joe Johnson can play in a modern NBA. If, if it was, if, no, if, I if think this was, can. do you think so? If this was peak Joe Johnson, do you think that the the offense might stagnate around him? No, because I think that he was a product of the offense that was put around him. Mm, um, and especially when you look at those those pace and space sons with Steve Nash and Amare and and uh, and, and Quinton Richardson there too, and you know he he was good and the ball was moving a lot, so I think that he'd be fine. I think that that, that he gets a bad rap because of how he was in Atlanta with ISO Joe and then in, in, in Brooklyn, but. I mean, a big part of that is the fact that he was so damn good at ISO that mm-hmm. you kind of just had to let him go. Like, like during the like dur- at the end of a game, at the end of a game, your team is down one. Joe Johnson has the ball. You're feeling pretty good that he's gonna make it. I actually think you might be really right about that because, especially looking at the Atlanta team he went to after the Suns, that Atlanta team was really kind of like okay, like. Joe, just like, okay, you can, Joe, you want to score? Uh, Josh Smith is will be like five, ten feet away from you. You can, I mean, you can kind of trust him with the ball. He might take a three-pointer, but yeah. you know what? Maybe you should just keep the ball to yourself until we get Al Horford. <laughs> so, I mean, I, th- I think you really might be right about that. So, but, but anyway, oh yeah, oh yeah what's age the worst? Um, I would say, it's, I'm not, I don't have Marbury for this category. Okay, wait, so I actually have a different one for what age the worst. Yeah? What's yours? Playing, well, okay, it's kind of Marbury. But playing Marbury and Penny Hardaway together I okay so, so many minutes a game. So I say yes, and that's I, my mind is kind of a one, one beat to that, is that watching this game, Penny Hardaway was actually good. He was making three-pointers. He was creating his own shot, which he could obviously do. He was a great passer. But it was just it was it just wasn't fun watching him just knowing what he once was and that what yeah. was what his legs un, un very, very, very fortunately took away from him and honestly just like the world in general. I mean, talk about someone who was ahead of his time. Penny Hardaway would be great now. I think he'd actually be better now than he was in 1995, which I says agree. a lot because he was a top 10 player in the league in 1995. Also, by the way, uh, commentating this game, I don't believe uh, Steve Kerr said this. No, it was it was not. Steve Kerr was not commentating. It was Greg Anthony and someone else. Greg Anthony said that, that Penny Hardaway was once arguably the best player in the NBA. Yikes. Which is... <laughs> I like Greg Anthony, but like he wasn't even the best player on the Magic. Like, it's like let's let's chill a little bit on like <laughs> Penny Hardaway's apex. Though we'll we'll get to that in a second actually. But yeah, I, I had Hardaway getting injured as what's age the worst, just because okay. it it was tough to see him just kind of in a form that I knew that it it just shouldn't have been like that. So who was your number one um, 
ahead of his time guy? Most ahead of his time for me, I have okay. I thought about Tom Gugliotta. I wanted to go Tom Gugliotta. That's who I was debating too. I had to go Sean Marion. That's that's who I went with also. It's it's the right pick. It's the right yeah. pick. I mean, Sean Marion was a defensive demon. He could guard one through five. Mm-hmm. He he you know he he's kind of become a meme in some ways because his jump shot was so funny looking. That's looking. But. He still shot almost five threes a game and shot 39%. That's uh-huh. 10% higher than Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> and he wasn't just, like, standing in the corner either. He could drive to the hoop. He yeah. could finish. He could get crazy, to the line. Crazy athletic. He could he could rebound. He, you know, he still three-assist a game from the forward spot. Um, so uh, Over two steals, over a block a game, didn't foul a lot. He was just... Every team, he is the perfect role player. Uh-huh. Like, he is someone that if you're building a team and you're like, okay, I have my star, now I need my second and third best player, uh-huh. and you don't have and you don't have him on your list, you're out of your mind. The funny thing about Marion is that he's ahead of his time, but at the same time, he's also someone that if this was like 1986 or 87, like... I think Sean Marion's kind of like an all-era player. Yeah. Like, he's there, there's not an – it's not like – I think that he might have come – Nowadays, it's like, okay, he would he would have been great in 1994. Like, you know? I think that Sean Marion might have actually in some ways come in one of the worst times for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he'd be better today, and he would have been better like 10 years earlier. I agree. And he, and he was still fantastic when he played. Mm-hmm. I think – Nowadays, Sean Marion is absolutely like a number two guy on the title team. Like peak Sean oh, Marion, yeah. they're letting him shoot and all that stuff. Like he's for me, he's better Chris Middleton. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I mean, if if you if you replaced Chris Middleton with peak Sean Marion, mm-hmm. I would pick the Bucks over to Lakers to win the finals. I agree. And the funny thing about Marion is he has kind of a funky career because getting drafted by Phoenix and then he's in the he's kind of he's not. I don't want to say he's a throw-in, but he's kind of a throw-in in, like, the Shaq trade. Like, he was built around the Shaq trade. The, the Shaq trade was built around him getting, I mean, going to Miami in return. But at the same time, nobody was like, oh, Sean Marion's getting traded. It's Everybody's getting, oh, Shaq's going to Phoenix. People really kind of forgot about him in that trade. And it, it, it kind of kicked off a weird, like, few-year span in the... In those heat years where they had Michael Beasley, you know, but it was between the 06 title and then when LeBron came, where Sean Marion uh, was gone by then and then beat LeBron in the NBA Finals with the Mavericks. Yeah, so so that's what I that's that's what I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. He he did like he was a huge part of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, he he guarded he guarded LeBron for stretches. He. When J.J. Barea was, wasn't doing it. <laughs> yeah, when J.J. Barea wasn't doing it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he was uh, he was really good. Mm-hmm. And he was someone that – he was someone that you could count on to, you know, play really good defense all the time. Um, and then he was also on the uh, – and then he was also on the, uh, on the Cavs for a hot second for his last stop. And I believe – that was the year that I believe they made a finals that year, but I don't remember if they won that year. I think that I think yeah, I think that was the first 
No, that was that was the first year where, with David Blatt, where Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt. But yeah, he yeah, was yeah. he was a legitimate piece of that team too. He was. And the crazy thing is, like, well, did you read a uh, Sean Marion stat line from his like most productive season? Uh, no. Which one was that? It's it's uh, well, I'm 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 th- I'm looking at 0506. It's the, okay, the yeah. season he scored. Oh most, yeah, yeah. It? But what a nasty stat line. Oh, for 22, sure. 22, 12, two assists. Two steals in a in two in one in one point seven blocks per game. Oh, that's for sure. that's one of the. It's it's hard to find a better truly all around season than that. That's nasty. Oh yeah, I mean he was, he was he was just really good. I mean there's no other way around it. Toronto um, for a year. What the hell? But remember he also he also received MVP votes before. Like he. He he finished. Uh, he was a top ten MVP guy in two thousand six. In two thousand six. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that Stephon Marbury had the ball in his hands the entire time yeah. um, on this team. Anyway, uh, now, let's, the, let's let's hear let's hear your deep dive on Stephon Marbury. Okay, so here's the thing. Scores hive. I was really excited. I was really excited. I heard the kid from Coney Island got really good reviews. I was like, you know what? I'm excited for a Marbury documentary. I'm a big Coney Island guy. I love the legacy of basketball there. And I like a, I have a special relationship with Marbury because one of my favorite books of all time is The Last Shot, where it's uh, it's like 1992 Coney Island. Uh, it's about four kids who are who are you know seniors in high school. They're going to the basketball camps in the summer. Um, and one of the four kids is freshman Marbury, who uh, in two of my favorite points in the book. Um, once told a girl who was a big fan of his that uh, he said, yeah, um, I, but I don't know you from a can of paint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like like Marbury was kind of like a he was kind of a dick is like a freshman in high school. I got that vibe. But though I didn't have really any any real evidence to back that up. Also, the fact that he used to like pull up to games at the at, at the garden in Coney Islands on a big wheel. And then would just like start hitting threes at halftime while everybody was like <laughs> between like street ball games. Pretty incredible. But um, but okay. So I was excited for this documentary. I'm a I don't want to call myself a Marbury defender, but like I I appreciate him. I love Bassie Telfair. Lance is my favorite player of all time. Coney Allen. Anyway, so I'm gonna do three things. I'm gonna talk right, let's hear it. three parts here. First, I'm gonna talk about the Marbury documentary and his career. Second, I'm gonna talk about the art of the explanation and third i'm gonna actually like i'm gonna kind of defend like isaiah thomas in like a bizarre and twisted way without like actually defending him all right so first this is one of the most the single most biased documentary documentaries i've ever seen like this is brooklyn new york he's a legend talent wise marbury was off the charts one of the greatest guards in his class he was at a he came at a time where new york high school basketball was just like in a crazy space where you had god shame god Ray for Alston, Felipe Lopez, who had a fun, uh, fun time in a league with the Timberwolves, and then Marbury in Brooklyn, and um, someone who you know who could get to the rim, finish through through shots, underrated assist guy. Even though I mean I don't know how that was kind of like Hassan Whiteside in retrospect. He wasn't doing that much distribution and passing as a point guard, but he was he was getting assists. Um, anyway, not I don't think on the early side though. Extremely athletic, could make tough shots. Um, and the thing with Marbury is that I actually think that underneath it all, he's like a legitimately good guy. Like I give Michael Jordan a lot of shit for selling his Jordans at $200 a piece. 
and as someone who's just idolized by literally like an entire nation of people marbury did the made the people marbury like got jokes for making the starberries but i think like a 20 dollars shoe for kids to buy and stuff like oh, that crazy that, that, that's fucking awesome like that like, that's an awesome thing to do for for the community and he also donated a whole mill to hurricane katrina he worked in the community but here's the thing marbury was a great guy off the court i guess we can say that most of the time but oh boy a ewing theory god as far as a t of as far as just scores of teams, players, and fans who were not, you know, not sad to see him le- go out the door in his prime, nonetheless, three times. And I'm, get- I'm going to get to that in part three. But he's also in, like, the he's also in the Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, and, like, Walt Bellamy Hall of Fame of guys that people in 10 years, even with Marbury, will be like, wait, how was that guy, like, out of the league by the time he was 32? And we got people, a Walt Bellamy shout-out in the same podcast. We got a Jason Capono shout-out. <laughs> this is the greatest day for white athletes since Larry Bird was drafted. <laughs> Walt Bellamy wasn't white. I don't think he so. He wasn't? Man. Yeah, I don't think so. Are you sure? I'm, I'm 90% sure. Anyway, uh, so... Him. You might be right. Ent- so the entire time this documentary was happening, I was like, oh, yeah, this is... Right. Uh, oh, my God. I feel like an idiot. So the whole time in this documentary, I was like, yeah, this is nice, but like, let's, let's, let's talk about the Knicks some. And we have to remember one thing though. I didn't know that, uh, his, his father, Donald passed away. Um, I believe it was like 2006 while, uh, in, in the season, while all this Knicks drama that I'm about to get to in a second was happening. And obviously I, that's, that's, that's actually not something I knew, you know, I think I already said that previously. And, you know, obviously it must've been an insanely tough time for him just dealing with all the stuff that was going on in the in his life that the problem is he made the problems himself in the first place but i thought we we definitely have to acknowledge that um but here's the thing his friends family were the people speaking in this documentary he wasn't him he wasn't he wasn't in any interviews he wasn't saying anything well that to be fair that could mean that he turned down interview requests yes that that can absolutely that that's valid that's valid but we'll get to that in a second so so part three real quick because i'm sorry i've spent a lot of time on this <laughs> but part three this just stuck in my crawl real quick the entire documentary they kept talking about like how he had no help oh you know he played with a bunch of they did they acted like he played with kg and a bunch of schmucks like 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 his supporting cast was always terrible they never wanted to win you know uh it's not it's not steph's fault it's not stefan's fault okay the first Three New Jersey years, they have a point. But the final year, Kendall Gill wasn't awesome, but rookie Kmart, Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles, and I'm not saying that, I mean, there wasn't other things that, you know, happened between uh, that's, that New Jersey season and the next season where he was traded to the Suns for Jason Kidd. Like we said earlier, I'm not saying that, you know, Kmart, you know, maturing in another year, Kerry Kittles getting better, Lucius Harris being better, that stuff like that didn't matter in getting Richard Jefferson. But Jason Kidd, but those guys don't count for that many wins. The Nets improved by like 30 games when Kidd was <laughs> replacing Marbury. That's pretty nuts. Phoenix, we told you already, they essentially replaced him with Steve Nash. And with the Knicks, like, yeah, the, the rosters were, like, bizarre, but, like, there, there was some talent, actually. Like, I'm not saying he had world beaters, but, you know, like, you had Jamal Crawford, David Lee, 
you know, Nate Robinson, some zombie Allen Houston. Uh, and, I mean, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but, I mean, you get Eddie Curry. I mean, what, it, it, Eddie Curry was talented. Like, there's a lot of revisionist history where Eddie Curry was always just, like, a fat schmuck who, who wasn't good. Like, Eddie Curry was very talented. He had, he had a good, some interesting years on the Bulls when he was still a prospect. Like, if he had, if he had a mentor who, like, could have been, like, hiring a random guy as your driver, not a good idea. Like, maybe, uh, I don't know, chill on the Pizza Hut some. Like, if, if, if Eddie Curry had a mentor and someone to really guide him, if his entire career in life, for that matter, could have been a whole different story. And I'm not saying Marbury had to be a great mentor to everybody, but, like... But like he had some help. I mean, there's that famous video of like, uh, of like of Z- of the of, of Marbury and Coney Island. Like uh, Zach Randolph, we're going to the finals. Uh, Isaiah, we Isaiah got a Zach Randolph. We figured it out. Like, not completely realizing that Zach Randolph, as someone who was giving the Blazers like 20 and 10 a night, was literally. I mean, the Blazers were literally like, you can you can have him. <laughs> Like, they were, there was no resistance on their end. They were, please, take Zach Randolph. We only want Channing Fry and Steve Francis's contract to get rid of him. Um, someone with that much talent. But, oh, man, that was, okay, that was a lot of shit on Marbury. Will, Will, <laughs> what do you, that was a lot of shit on Marbury. End of the day, man, like, I don't even know, end of the day. That's stuff on Marbury for you. That's my deep dive. Will, do you have, I, what, what are your thoughts? On Marbury? Yes. You know, he was immensely talented. He was an incredible player, but he certainly wasn't someone you wanted on your team. So that's simple. Yep. Okay. All right. Your deep dive. All right. I'm going to do a quick deep dive here. I'm going to just want to talk a little bit about Amari Stoudemire. Um, I think that very ahead of his time guy, uh, he'd probably take a few three-pointers nowadays. He showed in his career that he could make them. Uh, you mentioned the bank three that he had. He had a few. He had a few with the Knicks, but yeah, I mean, he was an incredibly athletic player. Um, he was someone who had a little Sean Kemp in him. He uh-huh. he, uh, I believe he had a few MVP vote years, uh, and he was half of the. Or uh, let me rephrase that. He was um, he was half of the face of the of the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. They were him and Nash make up maybe the second best pick and roll duo of all time after Stockton Malone. Uh, it's certainly in the conversation. He was, he just was a fantastic player. Um, when he went to New York, it was a lot of money. I think that the Knicks would probably do that signing again. He was, I mean, they would, he was, they, he was they would, for the I think, city. I think they would do that side again, and they'd also they might choose to amnesty <laughs> this time. Maybe that one. But yeah, I I'll, certainly, I certainly wouldn't call that a bad signing. Me. Either. Uh, I mean, he. I mean that those two years, three years, whatever it was, where Amari was, you know, kind of going on the Knicks. Those were two of the most. I mean, those are like the two highlight years in the last 25 years. Well, the thing with Amari is there were three years that were, that were big with him on the Knicks. There's the first year where they, where he, he, where he was looking like a top five player in the league. Amari carried them on his back for literally the entire season. Like being in New York at that moment, like I hadn't seen buzz like that for basketball in my life yet. 
because oh, I yeah. just I just started following basketball in like 2004, 2005. And it was like Tracy McGrady and J.R. Giddens on the Knicks. Like it wasn't nobody was was Knicks games were not the talk of the town. And Amari came in and every single like, I don't know, even like Yankees team store and NBA store and all that. And literally everybody was talking about how Amari and like Landry Fields. And I mean, look, they even I'm pretty, sure, so- I'm pretty sure that first year that he was on the Knicks, he was like the second highest uh, jersey sales. Yeah, and it was a fun team. They had Gallinari, they had Chandler, they did the they did the association on the Knicks that year. It was a, <laughs> it was a fun team. And then the next year, Amari got hurt. Insanity happens. The Carmelo trade happened, and then the Knicks won 50 games. But then and then that was kind of it for the Amari era in New York. For sure. All right, so. That's it. That's it for the deep dive. Um, Julian, ready to pick our last, our uh, our next week team? Uh, yes. All I'm right. Ready. I'm, I'm so on, ready. I'm on my I'm on my random.org and whatever. So we're gonna click random year. 1998. Okay. 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 And we're gonna spin the wheel for teams. 1998 Boston Celtics. Oh, I'm I'm in on this. I'm in Man. on this. Okay, all right. Let's let's do a quick five second look at their roster. 1998, 1997, 98, or 98, 99. I would say 97, 98. Well, let's actually just let's just do whichever roster is better. Screw it. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, 98, 99 is, is Paul Pierce's rookie year. Oh, we got to do 98, 99. Okay. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. So, so here's who's on that roster as a sneak peek for uh, for next year. Coaching executive Rick Pitino. They finished last in the East, 19 and 31. This is the lockout year. Um, Rick Pitino was the coach. Kenny Anderson, Dana Barros, Tony Batie, Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen. Uh, Marlon Garnett, foreshadowing. Uh, Damon Jones, Popeye Jones, Walter McCarthy, or sorry, Walter McCarty, um, Ron Mercer, Greg Miner, Pierce, Vitali, Pop, Vitali Patapico, Eric Riley, Antoine Walker. Yeah, I mean this is this is this is a good one. This is a fun team. This is a fun team. I'm excited. This is a good one. Uh, also, also interesting uh, assistant coaching and staff list too. John Carroll. Lester Connor, Jim O'Brien, and Ed LeCert was their tri- was their trainer. Oh boy, who, Eddie LeCert. I could I could do I could do a rant on Eddie LeCert. Who the hell is Eddie LeCert? Oh, uh, you know the Celtics trainer from like 1998. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he he was their trainer up until uh, 2017, and he was basically fired for the Isaiah Thomas like what happened with him. Ooh, it's kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, no wait, I, actually that might have been someone else. And he that was his last year, but I think he might have actually just retired. Um. Oh yeah, he he retired. They fired um. They fired Brian Dew. That's who it was. Anyway, also real quick, I gotta give a shout out to Damon Jones. Like I don't want to spoil any of the categories, but most ahead of his time, he's like, he's in pole position. He's in pole position. His rookie year, thirty nine percent three point shooter. And that feels kind of low. Like he was damn good. Oh, for okay. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna save that for next for uh, for next episode. 
Yeah. So yeah. So we'll wrap. We'll wrap up there. Uh, next. Next episode. Ninety eight. Ninety nine. Boston Celtics. Rick Pitino. Worst team in the East. Yeah. That's about it. Julian. Uh, any last thoughts? Nah, man. Thank you to the scores. Hive. Please write review. Um. You know. Please donate. Protest. Educate. Do your thing. Um. And follow us on Instagram. All that good stuff. Will. Anything from you? Yeah, I mean, just stay safe, wear a mask, Black Lives Matter. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Uh, That's it. Thanks for listening. If you guys enjoyed, subscribe, leave a review. We appreciate it. Um, And, yeah, we'll see you guys next episode.